you so much, choir and orchestra, for being here on Christmas morning. Aren't you glad and grateful for them uh, coming to lead us in worship? We appreciate them doing that. And uh, many of their number are, I'm sure, with family and friends this morning. Thank you for being here. Take your Bibles. And I want us to have a, a little adventure this morning. It's Christmas morning. We're going to make it a little bit different. And, uh, um, but I want us to, I want us to, to join some of those folks that 2,000 years ago were searching for Jesus. And I want us to follow the path. Um, that they arrived at, that, they, that some of them followed to come to find Jesus uh, at his birth and some even later. We're just saying, we've come to worship you. And, and, and one of the groups that said that were the, the Magi. And we believe they probably came somewhat later after Jesus' actual birth in Bethlehem. We don't know exactly when, uh, but they did show up on the scene. And in Matthew chapter 2, Verses 1 through 2, they come and they meet Jesus. And so what we've been trying to do over the last uh, month is we've been trying to unwrap Jesus so that we can meet him and understand the Christ in Christmas very clearly. And so we've, we've, we've unwrapped Jesus in the book of Hebrews and we've seen that he is this, he's God's supreme revelation. He revealed God. The prophets spoke about him. The angels testified about him. Uh, they were all, the, nature declares his glory, but Jesus was God's ultimate supreme personal revelation. And we saw that in the book of Hebrews chapter 1. And then we moved on a little further and began to unwrap the bows and the ribbons off of Jesus that sometimes he gets wrapped up in at Christmas. And we forget who Christ is. And we went from his fullness of deity, his fullness of God, the Son of God in the flesh. We moved and we saw that he was fully human. And he had to be fully human as well to become the supreme redeemer of man. The only person that could redeem us would be someone who was absolutely like us in every way and yet never sinned but to to be a substitute and to take the sins of all human beings. He had to be something more than just simply human. He had to be simply God too. And so we looked at him as the supreme revelation of God when we looked at him as the ultimate supreme redeemer of man. And then last week, last week we came together and we saw that a case was being made by the author of Hebrews. And the author of Hebrews was basically saying, you just put whatever thing up there you've been trusting in. And for these Jewish folks that the book of Hebrews is written to, who are struggling in their faith and struggling to hang on, he said, you just put anything up there, Jesus is what? Better. I'm glad three of you remember that from last week. Jesus is better. He's better than the angels. He's better than Moses. He was better than Joshua. He was better than the old priesthood in the Old Testament. And we explored that. And if you're interested in that, you might want to listen to it. So we saw that he is the supreme sovereign ruler. He's better than everything. In fact, God told the angels, worship him. Worship Jesus. He's the ruler of creation. Now, I want to I take off the last part of the wrapping today. And I want us to look into the future and uh, the Bible has a lot to say about the future. And in Hebrews chapter 1, it begins to unfold us 
and fold it and let us know that Jesus has the future in his hands. In fact, it tells us something about Jesus that when it that he's actually going to come and he is going to rebuild, restore, renew the universe. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. There is a kingdom that we're tasting, we're experiencing it right now spiritually. There's going to be a kingdom and this king that we're worshiping this morning is coming again. You believe that? And the reason that we know he's coming again is not just that we sense it in our hearts, not just that the New Testament tells us that he is, not just because we obviously as a world need him to, but what we have in Scripture leading up to his birth is this roadmap of prophecies. There were prophets that for 2,000 years gave us clues that you could follow like breadcrumbs to the manger. You could follow them like breadcrumbs to the cross, to an empty tomb, and even to a day like today. But I'm here to tell you, those weren't, they weren't breadcrumbs. They're like boulders. <laughs> They're huge signposts about how to find Jesus. Listen to, listen, listen to these wise men who were searching after Jesus in... Uh, in this text, they show up and they say this. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come, like this song we just sang, we have come to worship him. We have come to worship him. How did the Magi know about Jesus? They lived in Babylon, Persia, that area uh, hundreds and hundreds of miles away, and, the, and they weren't of the Jewish people. How did they know about it? Well, we believe they had a lot of Daniel's prophecies, and when the people of Israel were in exile there, they had left a lot of the Old Testament, a lot of the Old Testament prophecies had talked about there is a coming king, a coming Messiah. And so even these magi had followed some of the prophetic map to get to Jesus. They had followed this prophetic path. Hebrews 1 tells us that God spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways. But listen to what 1 Peter chapter 1 says about those prophets. This is interesting. Look in your Bibles. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 10. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. In other words, God was speaking these promises, these prophets, and they were prophesying about the future. They weren't really clear exactly what God was saying. But look what it says in verse 12. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but who? You. In the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things into which angels long to look. Well, we got the scriptures up there. But 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 10 through 12. That's a great passage of scripture talking about the fact that God was putting these prophetic 
clues into Scripture so that the people would welcome and understand when their Messiah would come and what he was going to be like. Well, I'll walk down that prophetic path with you just a little bit, and I'm going to have to come down here to do it because I have invited, uh, I have invited since we have all of our, our kids in here today, and we're grateful to have all our kids in here, and uh, I invited eight kids. I just kind of randomly picked those somewhere between 8 and 12 years old. And uh, if I handed you one of those lists, and you're one of those kids, I want you to come forward right now. You just come on down here, all eight of you. Just come down here, and I'm gonna, we're going to put you over here. And here's what I want you to do. I just want you to, to stand on, on two or three on that step right there, and then a couple on the step behind you, just randomly, however you are. Do I have eight? I have eight. Thank goodness. All right. And uh, we are so grateful for these kids because they had the courage to do this. All right? And, and so here's, here's how we're going to do this. Is you all have a list. You got your list with you? And on that list are some of the prophetic, pro, uh, the prophetic truths about Jesus. And, and what, what really we're, we're doing in Scripture is we're eliminating all those who couldn't possibly be the Messiah. Hundreds and thousands, millions of people have lived that meet some of the qualifications that Jesus had to meet to be the Messiah. And just as a visual, visual and just to include our wonderful kids, they're going to help me, through the process of elimination, find the Messiah. So we're going to walk down the path of prophecy with these young people. And so what we're going to do is, is I'm going to have you sit. You just go ahead and sit down on a step, whatever step you're on. Yeah, you can spread out a little bit. Just sit. And, can, yeah, come on down here if you need to. You can come down there. There you go. Way to go. I would hurt myself if I did that. But, uh, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to, if, if this is on your list, I want you to stand and stay standing the whole time. You with me? And if I tell, if I, if I give you something that's not on your list, you have to sit down. So the last one standing is Jesus. You didn't know you might get to be Jesus this morning. That's pretty exciting. So we're going to begin with the first thing that it tells us in Scripture Jesus had to be. The first thing Jesus had to be was human. He had to be a human being. So if you're a human being, stand up. All right, we got all of them. Uh, that means a mother gave birth to you at some point. And listen to what Scripture says to this. Genesis 3.15. There is Jesus, is, I mean, God is talking to uh, Satan. And he's making a, a curse. He's telling Satan how things are going to be. And here's what he says in verse th 15 of Genesis 3. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise uh, or crush your head, and he and you shall bruise his heel. Right there at the very beginning of creation, God made a promise. He said, I'm going to send a human, Satan, and you have deceived them. They have fallen in sin. Creation is now condemned. Sin is going to bring disease and death and destruction. You have won this battle. Uh, they have fallen to temptation. They've sinned against me, but I'm going to win it back. And I'm going to do so with a, a redeemer, a Messiah. But he is going to be born of who? 
a woman. He's going to be born human. Now, how many of you qualify? All right, all of you, I hope. All of us qualify. But then in uh, Genesis chapter 9, we happen to know that there was a great flood. And the flood wiped out the earth and it left Noah and his family. And Noah had three sons on the ship with him on Noah's ark. And they were going to have children. And these, uh, these, these three sons came off the, the ship. And listen, Noah pronounced a blessing on these three sons. And one of these three sons is named Shem. The other is Japheth. And uh, uh, the other is Canaan. And listen to what he says in chapter 9, 26. He said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth and let him dwell in the tents of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. So of the three sons, Noah elevated one of his sons, and he said the other two are basically going to be under you. And he elevated the son named Shem, from which we get the term Semitic. Semitic. And so he, we basically know that this Redeemer, this Messiah, has to come not out of Japheth, which is where the branch I come out of. Uh, he has to come out of the branch of Shem. He has to be Semitic. So are there any of you that don't qualify that you're not Semitic? Oh, well, you're out of, you're out of qualification. She is a human, but she may be like me, out of Japheth, out of Canaan, one of those branches of Noah. So we're following this path. Now, years and years go by, centuries go by, and God calls a man by the name of Abraham. Abraham. Out of all of the Semitic people, hundreds of thousands, millions of people, he calls one named Abraham. And listen to the promise he made to Abraham in Genesis 22. I will surely bless you. I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sands that are on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemy. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. We followed the path. And now we know the path to the Messiah has to go through who? Abraham. Abraham. And out of Abraham comes uh, the people we call Hebrews. Is there anybody that's not out of the family of Abraham? Oh, okay. So we're eliminating slowly but surely. Now, Abraham had Isaac. They had Jacob. Jacob had all of these different sons, and uh, they had different tribes. And different promises were made to different tribes. So listen to the tribe, the promise that was made to the tribe of Judah. Genesis 49.10. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until Shiloh comes, and to him there shall be the obedience of the peoples. God made a promise that the Messiah would come out of, of all the tribes, would come through the tribe of Judah. Now, are, are all of you in the tribe of Judah? Oh, you're not in the tribe of Judah. We're slowly whittling down to the Messiah. We've just eliminated, if you think about, two-thirds of humanity couldn't be the Messiah. Then out of that Semitic group, only those who came out of the Semite name Abraham. Then out of his group, the Bible funnels it down and says, out of, out of Abraham, it's got to come out of, of the tribe of Judah. Out of the tribe of Judah. 
Now out of Judah came a man by the name of David. Listen to the promise made to King David. 1 Chronicles 17. When your days are fulfilled to walk with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you. One of your own sons and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for me and I will establish his throne how long? Forever. I will be to him a father. He shall be to me a son. I will not take uh, my steadfast love for him as I took it from him who was before you. But I will confirm him in my house and in my kingdom forever. And his throne shall be established forever. So the path to the Messiah has to go through the tribe of Judah, but also through the house of who? It's got to go through David. Any of you not out of the house of David? Okay. It's great to be in the tribe of Judah, but the Messiah has to come out of the house of David. Now, there's some incredible prophecies that we have. Say, so how, how do we come to Jesus? How do we come to Jesus? Well, not only do we come through the house of David and the tribe of Judah, it tells us something in Micah 5, chapter 2. It says, O you, O Bethlehem Ephratah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. He says, there is some, someone is going to come out of Bethlehem, this little town, who is connected to the ancient of days, who will rule, who will be that Messiah. Any of you not born in Bethlehem? All right. We're getting close. Well, how do we, how do we, we have three that are born in Bethlehem. How are we going to know which one is Jesus? Well, there's a couple other prophecies. The Old Testament talks about their manner of death. These three young men are going to grow up and they'll all die, just like all of us. But listen to what it says in Psalm 22. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of year, years before David's descendant is crucified. Listen to this prophecy in Psalm 22, and, and you tell me what it sounds like. I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. For dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all of my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. Does that sound familiar? Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before crucifixion was even brought about, we have this amazing prophetic picture of the way the Messiah would die. Any of you not crucified? <laughs> Little help from a friend. So we find two, two people, two young men, born out of the tribe of Judah, 
the house of David. They were born in Bethlehem around the same period of time. And both of them, and this could have been possible. The Romans crucified a lot of people. They're both crucified. How do we know which one's the Messiah? Are you ahead of me? Psalm 16.10. It says this in a number of places. David is prophesying and he's thinking out and God is revealing to him something about his descendant. And he doesn't know. Remember what 1 Peter said? They wondered about this coming glory, this coming truth. They didn't have all the answers, but God was giving us boulders as crumbs to lead us to Bethlehem, to lead us to the cross, and now to lead us to an empty tomb. He said in, he, he said in Psalm 16, For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, to death, or let your Holy One see corruption or decay there are other places Jesus came and imagine both of these young men were crucified both of them had lived exemplary lives maybe both of them claimed to be the son of God because they were born in Bethlehem of the tribe of Judah of the house of David maybe they were but the way we're gonna know ultimately which one is the Messiah? Is the one that rose from the dead. You did it. Way to go. You did it. You get to be Jesus. He gets to be Jesus on Christmas morning. Is that cool or what? You know. And, uh, but let's thank all our kids. What a wonderful job you did. You can go back to your seat. So we end up, we end up where we need to be following the prophetic path of Scripture. Now, why to go to all the trouble to point that out? Because here we are, we're having church, we've got this big old church, we're worshiping in, we've done that for years and years and years. We believe in Jesus, we believe He's resurrected, we believe He saved us, we believe He's coming again. But He's given us more clues and more boulders to think about pointing to the future and I don't know exactly what's going to happen in 2017 but I do know there is a possibility in 2017 we could see Jesus face to face there's a possibility come how do I know that possibility well flip with me really quickly back into Hebrews and let's look one final time not at the prophetic past but at the prophetic future in Hebrews chapter 1, it says this, verse 6, And again, when He, this is God the Father, when God the Father brings the firstborn into the world, He says, let all God's angels worship Him. Now, I know this is kind of starting in the middle of the context, but here's what basically is being said. He's describing Jesus, and God is saying all these wonderful things about the Messiah, Jesus, and he refers to him as the, the uh, firstborn of all creation. He is over all creation. And what does it say about him? It says he's going to return. He's going to bring him back to earth. And so we know Jesus is coming back. 
Why is he coming back? Well, there are several things that the book of Hebrews tells us that he has to achieve. Look in verse 8. But of the Son, he says, but of the Son, and this remember this is God the Father speaking, of the Son, God the Father says this, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. We still have promises related even to the people of Israel, promises of a coming kingdom. As I interpret Scripture, as I look through it, I believe that we still have ahead of us a literal kingdom. That Jesus, when he returns, is going to set up for a period of time, a thousand years at least, he's going to have this kingdom, and uh, he is going to reign in that kingdom, just like, just like God promised David you're going to have a descendant who's going to be born in Bethlehem. He's going to die for the sins of his people. You're going to, that same descendant is going to sit on your throne. And that hadn't happened yet. I believe it will. He's going to return to earth. He's going to sit on a throne. He's going to reign as king. And what's going to happen during this period of time? Well, look at the... Look at verse 10 in Hebrews chapter 1. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. Remember, God is talking to God the Son, Jesus, and he says, You, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. That's everything. They will, what? perish but you will remain they will all wear out like a garment by the way the author of hebrews didn't know the laws of thermodynamics but there's no new energy there's no new stuff being created it is all dissipating it's all coming apart we are it, we tend towards disorder not order all of these things that we now know he says listen we're wearing out I saw a scientific program the other, uh, uh, on TV the other day, and they were talking about how ever many uh, 50, 100 million years or whatever in the future, our sun is going to blow up on us. Well, I sure hope we're not around in 100 million years when the sun blows up. Why is that? Because we're wearing out. We're wearing out. And he says, you created it. It is wearing out. It will all perish. Verse 12. Like a robe, you're going to roll them up. Like a garment, they will be what? Changed. You are the same and your years will have no end. He says, listen, he's going to come. He's going to reign on the throne. But then he's going to do something unbelievable. He's going to roll up creation and roll out a new one. He's going to rebuild and restore and renew what sin has broken down. I get to be there. How about you? I'm excited about that reality. The past prophecies, you know what the odds are that one, that all of those Old Testament prophecies could be fulfilled in one person? Astronomical astronomical it's one of the great proofs 
of Scripture, if you're looking for those, of Jesus and who He is. But having resurrected from the dead been, and, and, be, and having been witnessed by hundreds of people and having initiated and, and sent out this great Christian movement that now is a third of the planet, he says, here's some things you can put in your Christmas stocking. Here's some things you need to unwrap. You need to know these things to live with the kind of joy and the kind of peace and the kind of rest that God wants you to have. Remember, he's talking to these Jews and he's talking to us and he says, just, I want you to rest in this. He's coming back. He's going to set up a kingdom just like he said. I know it's tough right now, but don't put all your hope in Trump. Don't put any hope in the kingdoms of man. You put your hope in Jesus. He's coming back. He's going to rule, and then he's going to roll up creation, and he's going to roll out a new one, a new heaven and a new earth. And in it, there's not going to be any churches or temples. The Lamb himself will be our temple. We will exist forever in his presence. The one that we sing Christmas carols about today, we will see him on his throne. And he's going to restore creation. And one more comforting fact that he gives these people who are facing a lot of the struggles. He says, you know, life is not always fair. And it may look like sometimes bad people are getting away with things. But you don't need to repay. You don't need to retaliate. It is not your job to do that. He says, here's, here's the final promise. Jesus is going to make things right. Verse 13. And to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Until I make a... Here, here's, where, here's what this says to me. As sure as it was that Jesus was born in a manger in Bethlehem at the exact time, in the exact place, to the right parents, and doing the right, out of the right tribe, all of those things we just went through, as sure as that is, there's going to be a day where at the feet of Jesus, there'll be two, two groups of people. His enemies will be under his feet. And then there will be people like the Magi worshiping at his feet. And that leaves us with two choices. Do you want to be under his feet as an enemy? Or do you want to be at his feet as a worshiper? We still have that choice, thank goodness. We can worship the one who's coming or we can rebel and resist. I don't know about you, church, but I say we come and we adore him. How about you? Let's come and let's adore our risen king. The incarnation, 
The incarnation is wonderful. He was born flesh. But the incarnation doesn't get the job done unless there's a crucifixion. And the crucifixion doesn't get the job done unless there's a what? A resurrection. And listen, even after the resurrection, it's not finished until there's a glorification, until there's a consummation, until there's a second coming of Jesus Christ. May it be in 2017. Let's pray together. With your heads just bowed in adoration of Jesus. And I pray your heart is adoring him this morning. Would you just thank him that he came in love first and judgment second? He came to gather people like the Magi out of the east, the shepherds out of their fields, the lepers banished out of the cities, the Gentiles, the prostitutes, the fishermen, the tax collectors, the people like you and me. He came and he gathered us out of love and he said, come, you can worship me. I came so that you could know God. I'm the supreme revelation of God. I came so that you could have a way to God. I'm the supreme redeemer of man. I have come to gather all of creation back under my rule to rule in righteousness and in love. And then I'm going to restore it. So that if you didn't get what you wanted this Christmas or your life didn't turn out like you were hoping it or you feel like you just you got a raw deal in this world, I'm going to give you a new world where all of this will just grow strangely dim as you look at my glorious face. That's what King Jesus has to say this Christmas. Have you trusted him as your Lord and Savior? I encourage you to do that. If you never have, receive him now. Ask him to come in and just forgive you and save you. And he will ask you. It's a free gift. It's free to you. It cost him. His life, his suffering. Would you trust him? And maybe as we finish up 2016, would you trust him with your earthly life, not just your heavenly life? Live reassured that he is king and that he is coming again. I pray that comforts you and gives you joy as you continue to celebrate Christmas today. As you rejoice, he's bringing joy to this world. Father, thank you for giving us the testament of your scripture, the testimony that leads us to the manger to the crucifixion, to the resurrection, and now it leads us even to the coming again of Jesus. We just thank you for that. We treasure that. May it comfort us in the days and weeks to come. And we ask it now in Jesus' name.